Of the many popular ideas that have emerged over the last 25 years in business, it would be hard to find one that has been more helpful and confusing than getting our procedures in order. In this episode, I hope to clarify a key question, when is a procedure appropriate? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So I'm going to kick off today by apologizing for my voice. I do have a cold or something like that, and uh, it's extra nasally, which is not super enjoyable, I know. But the show must go on, as they say. I've been practicing with my cough button, so if I start hacking and coughing, I can turn the microphone off. At least you won't have to endure that. But I can't do much about the nasally sound. Got my water ready. Cough drops aren't an option because you'll hear that rattling around my teeth with this microphone. So... I'm doing the best I can, so we'll make this one uh, maybe short and sweet and get through it. Uh, One of the things that I hear people say a lot is, business owners, of course, I'm talking about, um, I hear people say a lot, I'm I'm working on getting my procedures in order. And I think sometimes that's kind of a knee-jerk statement that we say just because it, it, it sounds good, honestly. Like, it sounds like we have a plan. It sounds like we are actively doing something. But I suspect for most folks, if I said, okay, what, are, what what step are you on of, you know, the first 10 steps to getting your procedures in place, what step do you think you're on? Most folks would probably go, um, yeah, well, I'm, tr- I'm still trying to figure that out. And there's a reason for that. There's a couple, well, there's many reasons for that, but there, there's a couple of things we're going to talk about today that, that kind of lead to that confusion. And I'm hoping that at the end of this episode, you'll have a lot more clarity than you do because procedures are important and getting them right is important. And so I'm going to talk today, I'm going to start off talking about the movie Sully. Uh, I think many of you have probably seen it. It came out in like 2016. It's, um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's easy enough for me to explain. But it has a great example. There's a particular scene where it has a great example of where a procedure makes sense and where you must rely on good training and our people to make good decisions. So the movie Sully is about, uh, I think his name was Shelley Sullenberger or something like that. He was the pilot of the airplane in 2008 that left New York City. It hit uh, a flock of birds, uh, the engine stopped working, and shortly after it took off, it had to land in the Hudson River. And it, you know, it was all over the news, it was a big deal, and he was a hero, and you know, lots of good, happy endings, lots of good stuff. Uh, anyhow, there's a scene in the story, or the movie, where they, they're showing the plane taking off, it gets up in the air, you know, 5,000 feet or whatever it is, I don't know, uh, and it hits a flock of birds, and the birds go in the engine, and and the, the engine catches on fire and, and breaks. And then the other engine catches on fire and breaks. And so they've lost both engines. And immediately, of course, because they have great training, the pilot grabs the procedure manual, which is literally like a three-ring binder, and starts and looks at the procedures regarding what to do when this happens. When the engines both 
burst into flames or stop working, what do you do? What's the what's the the procedure to try to get them to refire? What's the procedure to try to get them to reignite? Whatever. And they read these procedures and they follow them step by step. And they're literally reading them out of a notebook. Like this is the key thing to pay attention to. They're reading them and following them step by step. Engines do not refire ultimately. And they have to they have to land. Like they they are in a moving airplane going 150 miles an hour and they get and they're you know, gravity's gonna win. So the captain Sully then has to decide where to land. Now they did not look up a procedure for deciding where to land. They, based on a huge number of variables, the captain, the pilot, decided to land in the Hudson River. Of all the places he could have tried to land, he decided to land in the Hudson River. There was no procedure for that. And this is a great example of where a procedure makes, makes sense and where a procedure does not make sense. You could not proceduralize telling a pilot of an airplane where to land when there's so many variables and you have a limited amount of time, you got to make quick decisions. So there's a lot we can learn about procedures and how they should work in our businesses from this little excerpt of this film. Again, I routinely hear business owners say, whether they're clients of mine or not, you know, we, they're, they're talking about getting their quote-unquote procedures in place. That's a, that's a phrase I hear a lot. Getting my procedures in order, getting my procedures done, getting my procedures in place. That's a, that's a very common theme. And this can be one of the most overwhelming endeavors we're ever going to take on. We further complicate this, getting our procedures in place, by trying to tackle it too early by trying to proceduralize tasks that cannot be effectively proceduralized and trying to incorporate procedures to a degree that is counterproductive. And I'm going to go through some just, I'm just going to start with some basic stuff about procedures that is not uh, the same as things I've talked about before, but just kind of give us an idea, like, what's the what's the purpose of these things? What, what, what are they supposed to do? So the purpose of a procedure in its most basic form is to limit spontaneous thinking and to limit creative actions a.k.a. to gain compliance. And this is a really key, critical concept for us to understand when we're trying to figure out when do we want a procedure and when do we not. You could not proceduralize solely figuring out where to land the plane. You could not have compliance on that. He had to rely on spontaneous thinking. He had to rely on great education and training and make great decisions in a situation where it's not likely um, you would have procedures. Now. Once he decided he was landing on the Hudson River, I'll guarantee you they probably had a procedure for landing in water, and he probably followed that procedure. But deciding what to do was not something he could proceduralize. So this is a, again, this is a beautiful example of where a procedure makes sense and where it doesn't. So if you're seeking compliance, you're largely eliminating the ability for improvement. And this is another critical thing for us to understand is we, with, with all the things that we're trying to get our employees to do and get ourselves to do and get our company to do, we kind of need to know, are we aiming for compliance with this or are we aiming for improvement on this? Whatever this endeavor is. Improvement requires trying to figure out a better way to do something. So in the beginning, especially in the early years of our company, we're, we're, we're sorting things out. We're learning a ton of things. Like we started our company presumably because we thought we could do it better than our old company we worked for. And we're trying to sort some things out. We are, we are, we are learning and improving. It's exceedingly difficult to, to put procedures in place because of that. Procedures are in place once we've decided this is like the best we think we can do this, at least for now. So that's an important thing for us to understand is, is we cannot have procedures and also have an expectation that we will gain improvement. That is a critical thing for us to understand. In order to gain improvement, we must allow deviation 
from the procedure, at least in testing, right? Okay, the next thing is procedures to be effective, they must be current, written, and available, which is a lot of work. Those procedures that Sully and the co-pilot used in that movie, in that in that real-life example, I mean, I guess more than the movie, were, would, would have been absolutely meaningless if they were not current, written, and available. They literally grabbed a three-ring binder, they literally read them out loud, and they literally followed the most current version that was available. Making sure that those most current things available is a lot of work for whatever airline they worked for. And that's the commitment we have to make if we were going to have an expectation that procedures are followed. We have to do our part, which is making them current, written, and available. And procedures are are great when we have a belief that people will pull them out and read them. They are not, they are just frankly, they're, again, going back to the example of Sully, like imagine if they wouldn't have had the procedures, but the company said, here's how we expect you to do this thing when refire engines when you hit birds. And you're just expected to memorize that co-pilot and pilot. And then they have this emergency happen and their human brains take over, which are, you know, limited, especially in high stress situations. And the airline would have had an expectation. They just memorize that. That's ludicrous. But that's what we do sometimes. Procedures are absolutely worthless and not worth the effort we're, we're put into them if they're not going to be followed. And when I say followed, I mean read and followed, you know, verbatim. So what I see sometimes is business owners consider an explanation, a verbal explanation of how to do a thing as a procedure. So I'm going to explain to you how to install an HVAC unit when you're replacing this carrier system with this new train system or whatever. Um, And I explain this to you and I tell you step by step how to do it. Therefore, we now have a procedure. That is absolutely incorrect. We have a, a, a verbal process. We do not have a procedure. And we have a verbal explanation. We may even have a verbal checklist. We do not have a procedure. And what happens is the business owner will say, well, I gave you the procedure, aka I verbally told you how to do this thing. And now we're not going to talk about this again until you do it wrong. And then I'm going to remind you how I verbally told you this procedure. And now I'm angry that you didn't follow it. That is very commonly how I see these things, quote unquote, done. And in my opinion, that's absolutely incorrect. All right, next thing is the bigger a company is, the more procedures are necessary. This is just the way it is. Comcast has way more procedures than your mom and pop plumbing shop. It's just the way it is. The more the bigger a company is, the more you have to have written documentation on how we just do things to have consistency. It's just that's just the way it is. Uh, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on that because it's just it's just evident. Um, and the way to get started is with writing procedures and documenting these things that really matter is with the actions that are the most critical. And, and starting with the things that are most, absolutely, if you get these wrong, it's catastrophic. Generally speaking, these are about big risk or liabilities or critical parts of the customer experience. And then once you get those, you, you start working toward it. Once you get the, the big risk done and the big customer experience stuff done, then you move to the next thing, right? All right, so there's two ways to tell if a procedure is appropriate. Uh, well, there, here's two of the ways. I'm not going to say there's only two. There's Here's two of the ways to tell if a procedure is appropriate versus having a well-understood process. Again, procedure, firing the engines after we hit birds, process, figuring out where we're going to land, right? Then procedure, landing in a river. All right. So the first thing is, are we seeking compliance or improvement? We talked about that. This is something we need to know for each task, action, or endeavor we are considering putting a procedure in place for. So everything we do, our sales process for our HVAC stuff, our repair process for a roofing company, um, whatever. Is this something we are 
seeking compliance, as in we've identified all the variables and all the possible ways to do this, and we've determined this is the best way to do it. Now, that's exceedingly difficult if we don't know what all the variables are. Well, what kind of roof is it, right? So we immediately know right there, we can't aim for compliance. We don't even know all the variables. But let's say we do know all the variables. We need to know, are we aiming for compliance or improvement? If I'm aiming for compliance, that implies we've decided that this is the best way to do this. Now, that's not the same thing as the owner has decided, here's the best way to do that. The owner may very well believe that. And the team might hear the owner say that and still walk out there and do it how they want, right? So, so this thing with compliance is not so much that the owner dreams of having compliance with how we fix our, our, um, our shingle roof leaks or whatever, and then the employees walk out and do it their own way. That is not a collective agreement on compliance, right? So, but we just need to understand if we are still believing that there's a better way to do this thing, whatever it is, or um, we're, we're, we're still sorting that stuff out, it's too early for procedures. Once we know this is the way we've all agreed we're going to do this, if there's 25 people in our company doing this task, the 25 people, or at least the vast majority of them need to agree, this is how we're going to do it. And then we create a procedure that we all agree upon. That is not the same thing as the owner saying, I want compliance and here is how I want things done. And I have this expectation with no buy-in, no commitment. That is not the same thing as what I'm describing. So having a CSR follow procedure and how to book a call is a great example of where a procedure makes sense. After all these many years, we've likely cracked the code on booking service calls. And we don't want a chance not capturing key information because of memory. We don't want to be, you know, have a, a three-minute call and we, we forget to get their phone number or we forget to get their address. Like, we don't want that. We're going to have a very scripted conversation. Here's how we do our, our call-taking uh, procedure. We might even actually use scripts. I, I'm a big fan of that when we take calls. That's that's a great example of where a procedure makes sense. We've kind of figured this out after 40 years or whatever it is of booking service calls. We kind of know how this is supposed to go. We know what the customer is going to ask. Um, here's our procedure. Great example of where a procedure makes sense. And in a product-based business, procedures are easier and make more make more sense and they're, and they're more widely appropriate. So this is one of the things where it gets confusing for business owners is we hear that procedures are the key. Procedure, 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 procedure. If you read the book about McDonald's and Ray Kroc, you know that procedures is all it, it's all about. The billionaire who sold Jimmy John's here a couple of years ago will tell you that processes and procedures is everything. Those are product-based businesses. It's different for a service-based business. It's different because you're not teaching somebody how to build a sandwich 500 times a day. You have to teach somebody how to make decisions and deal with variables in houses that were built in 1928 and 1956 and 1972 in 1989 and 2016. There's a ton of variables there. So procedures by definition are just different. They're more difficult because there's a ton of variables. So we, we have to be really careful when we read about things where it's appropriate for a product-based business. It's not always apples apples appropriate for a service-based business. So we have to understand that there's a difference in those kinds of businesses. And there's a difference when procedures are appropriate in a service-based business versus a product-based business. Once you know how to make your world-famous cupcakes, you don't deviate from that recipe. Once Jimmy John's figured out how to make their, their sandwiches, they didn't deviate from the recipe. That's it. That's the procedure. That's how we make a sandwich. It's not the same thing diagnosing or, or uh, servicing a, a, an appliance or whatever. It, there's, it's just sometimes it's different. We need to know where it's different and where it's the same. Sending technicians out to sell and perform service repair and replacement work requires dozens or even hundreds of decisions per day. Like an example I, I used a while ago, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or in a conversation, forgive me. Um, if you were to try to proceduralize 
driving a, your car one mile from your home to the closest store or gas station or whatever, just pick a spot. How long would it take you to write a procedure to drive your car one mile? Oh my goodness, that, that procedure to cover all the possible variables. What if a ball gets kicked out by a little kid playing in the sidewalk? What if a dog, if you see a dog on a, on a leash or you see a dog not on a leash, walking down the sidewalk with the owner, you got to be worried about that stuff. What if there's a stop sign? What if there's a yield sign? Like there... <laughs> The number of variables to 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 adequately document proceduralize driving a car one mile would be just insane. Well, I would argue that our technicians do things way more complicated than driving a car in their day-to-day activities. So trying to proceduralize what they do in day-to-day is just, in my mind, in many cases, just not appropriate. It's just there's too many variables. We have to educate them to make good decisions. And in these cases, we need to focus more on the specific outcomes we want rather than the specific how-to, step-by-step procedures that we want them to follow. And that is a critical thing that we need to know as service business owners is when do we focus on the outcome we want, the very specific thing we want our customer to do, we want a five-star Google review. That's the outcome we want to talk about. You can't write a procedure for how to get a customer to do that. You can can have um, checklists, you can have processes, but you don't know what the customer's going to do. You don't know where they're going to say yes and where they're going to say no. So it's, it'd be very difficult to write a procedure for getting a customer to write a five-star review. You can absolutely have a process in place, though, that everybody understands. We're going to say send a thank you email, and here's a link to our where you can leave a Google review. Our technician is going to have a, a script that they say at the end. Think, if you're happy with my service, please give me a five-star Google review. Those are processes. They're not procedures because you can't, you can't determine whether the customer is going to say yes or no. You don't know all the variables. Also, again, like I said earlier, to gain efficiency, speed, quality, and other kinds of better performance, we must allow deviation from a procedure, at least in tests. If you do the same things, if you do things the same way over and over, you should get the same result. That's the entire point of a procedure is getting the same result over and over and over. And uh, if we do allow these tests and we do try to improve performance, we need to make sure we allow decision-making to happen at the lowest level possible. It has to happen where the people doing the work, are making the decisions. They're the ones who understand the day-to-day stuff. Unless you are literally doing the job, unless you're fixing the furnaces, then you can have input on that. If you haven't fixed a furnace in 12 years, then you should let the decision-making on improvements be made by people fixing the furnaces. You focus on the outcomes we want. You focus on what determines, quote-unquote, we're doing a better job at this. We're more efficient. We're more, you know, whatever. We focus on the outcomes. Let them decide how to meet them. They're the ones doing the work. They know it better than we do in most cases. All right, so how does this solely example relate to what we do? Well, here's another way we can, we can know if we can reasonably expect a procedure to work, and that's asking this question. How would you explain blank to someone who didn't know how to do it? They had procedures for dealing with the airplane engines. There were limited options and limited variables. They immediately found those and followed those, and, and they followed the correct procedure. They did not have the procedure for where to land. That's a key distinction again. So how would you explain replacing a water heater to someone who didn't know how to do it? The answer is, well, it depends. Is it a gas or electric water heater? Or is it located in the house? Is it like for like or is it a complete, complete retrofit? If our answer is it depends, it's not a good place to write a procedure. Because that implies, that that answer, it depends, implies there's too many variables to give a clear answer. So. If the question is, again, how would you explain blank, whatever task, action, to someone who didn't know how to do it, and your answer in, immediately is, well, it depends, or you begin answering, you go, well, 
if it's gas, we do this. If it's electric, we do that. Okay, now already we're, we're, there's a number of variables where it's not a procedure anymore. Now it's a process because there's, there's too many variables that we can't um, get out in front of. Doesn't mean procedures can't allow for variables. Of course they can. But my point is, if our answer is it depends, that's a great indication that we probably are not ready for procedure here. We got to be a little more detailed. So for example, how would you explain replacing an electric water heater for a repeat customer in a like-for-like manner that is located in a ground-level attached garage. We can write procedures for that all day long. But how you replace a water heater, it depends. There's lots of variables in there. Where's the location? Is this, is this a repeat customer? That might have a differential, uh, different outcome or different path or whatever. All right, we get into trouble by, by trying to eliminate decision-making in circumstances where there's a lot of variables. Like I just said, we can't limit decision-making on how to replace a water heater. We have to educate them on how to make good decisions. Once we have identified we, and we've removed a lot of those variables, then procedures make sense. But again, some of this stuff, is, it just doesn't make sense until the, the company is very mature and the company has evolved in a lot of ways. So we try to do this way too early sometimes, way before it's appropriate, and it just becomes overwhelming. And we don't make any progress because we haven't figured out a lot of things like who's our customer. So for example, if you can't, as a business owner, describe who your customer is in very specific terms, how they make decisions, why they should choose your company instead of Brand X, besides the same things all your competitors say, like quality, customer service, experience, price, convenience, warranties, all that other things that everyone else says, then procedures are probably not a great place to focus. It's too early. We got to eliminate some of these variables, like who's your customer? How do they make decisions? Why should they choose your company? Those are massive variables you can't overcome in procedures. Notable exceptions would be things like, again, high risk and, and key elements of the customer service experience like communication. In all my years, though, I've yet to hear anyone who is, quote unquote, working on getting my procedures in place who says, I'm starting with communication. And I would argue that's a great place to start. But generally, people don't. That's not a place that they would start. I've not ever heard anybody talk about that. But communication, like having a procedure when a customer leaves you a voicemail I would absolutely recommend having a procedure for how fast we respond to that. You know, customer sends an email saying that they they want they're inquiring on having some work done. I promise you, I've had procedures in place to tell that say how fast we respond, how we do, you know, what our language is, all that kind of stuff. Communication is a great place to start with uh, procedures and again, big risk things. All right, so more on that in a minute. First, let me take a moment to tell you about some of the questions we've been addressing in real time in my new weekly group, Service Business Academy. One of them was, at what point do you make the decision to scale and grow? How do I know it's time to hire another person? Great, great conversation we had about this with the, with the business owners on the call. Another one was, I have an employee who applied but didn't get a management position. This employee is critical, so we can't afford to lose him. How do we keep this employee, how do we keep them happy, and how do we avoid this happening in the future? Another fantastic conversation. I'm sure you guys can all relate to that. You've had employees who are frustrated or resentful because they didn't get what they wanted in a meaningful way for them, but there's a crucial employee. Like, how do you keep them? That was a great conversation we had. And these are, these are just a couple of things we've talked about over the last uh, several weeks that we've been rolling this out. Listen, there's only two ways to learn about running a business. There's, it's through mentorship or through making mistakes. That is it. You're not doing yourself any favors by learning every lesson in business the hard way. Save all the time, money, energy, and aggravation that comes with learning how to solve problems through trial and error. Get invaluable insights and guidance from people, including me and other business owners just like you, who've been right where you are. Membership costs less than you think. I, I can almost promise you price will not be an issue. 
Plus, you get free access to my entire video library of courses and Zoom call recordings. There's zero risk. If you don't come check it out, if it's not for you, it didn't cost you anything. So just try it out at no charge. Just send a quick introductory email to hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com with the word group in the subject. When I say introductory email, give me your name, company, industry, how many employees you got, how long you've been in business, something like that. It just just a, a synopsis of who you are and what your industry is. Again, just a quick introductory email to hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com with the word group in the subject line. Try out this group at no charge. All right, so... First thing you have to know is procedures and processes. Are we seeking compliance or improvement? This is something we need to know for whichever endeavor it is we're thinking about putting a procedure in place. If we want compliance, procedure makes sense. If we don't have the ability to know we were doing this the best way possible, we're still trying to find improvement. We're still trying to figure things out. A procedure does not make sense. Having a CSR follow procedure on how to book a call is a great example where a procedure does make sense. Explaining how to diagnose an HVAC system without knowing who our client is and how they make decisions, and with the journey we're taking that client on does not make sense. Sending technicians out to perform and uh, sell service, repair, and replacement work requires dozens or even hundreds of decisions a day. We just cannot proceduralize all that. In most instances, we need to educate them to make good decisions. In these cases, we need to focus more on specific outcomes we want more than the specific how-to. Remember that movie solely. Great example in there where they followed a procedure and where they make good decisions on their own. <clears throat> so, the question is, how would you explain blank to someone who didn't know how to do it? That's another thing we can do to figure out if a procedure makes sense. If our answer is, it depends. Like, how would you explain replacing a water heater to someone who didn't know how to do it? Well, it depends. Is it gas or electric? Where is it located? Is it like for like? Is it a new customer, existing customer? Then, a procedure may not make sense. But if the question, though, is how would you explain replacing an electric water heater for a repeat customer in a like-for-like manner that's located in a ground-level attached garage, now you can give step-by-step instructions. We get in trouble by trying to eliminate um, decision-making in circumstances where there's a lot of variables. We have to make a lot of decisions, and that's just not going to work. We just have to recognize we cannot proceduralize things where there's a lot of decision-making that has to happen. Also, we get in trouble trying to take take on this project way before it's appropriate. Again, if you can't describe in detail specifically, who your customer is, how they make decisions, the journey you're taking them on, why they should choose your company instead of brand X besides all the things everybody else says, then it's probably too early to focus on procedures. Again, notable exceptions, safety-related stuff, big risk stuff, key elements of customer service like communication. So that's it for this week. I apologize for my voice. Thank you for bearing with me if you've made it this far. (laughs) Um, Don't forget to try my new group, Service Business Academy where we provide immediate problem solving no, uh, to, to you. Try it out at no charge. Just send a quick introductory email to hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com. Again, hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com. Put the word group in the subject line. Tell me a little bit about who you are, and I'll get you all the details for a Zoom to come check it out. Other than that, again, thanks for bearing with me. Uh, subscribe to this email. Share with the pod, uh, share the, uh, Subscribe to this podcast. Share it with a friend through an email or text message. Another business owner in the service industry. Give us a rating review if you haven't had a chance yet. And that's it for this week. I made it. <laughs> I didn't cough one time, so I'm going to get out of here before I blow that. Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, I'll see you all next week. Bye.